If you'll take your Bibles and turn with me, there's a couple places I'd like you to turn. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. And then if you would also turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4, and we're going to look at verses 12 through 16 there. I want to talk to you about when it comes to spiritual gifts. That's the title of our message today. When it comes to spiritual gifts, one of the things that I think that we are often not always aware of is the immense spiritual warfare that goes on to keep you from using your gifts to keep you from developing the gifts that God has placed in your life. I was thinking just for a moment about if the United States would go to war with another country, what are the things that they do? Immediately, they try to knock out the communication sources. When they go to war, one of the things they try to do is to stop the communication from taking place. And you think how many times the enemy tries to get God's people to shut their mouth and not say what he's telling them to say. How many times does the enemy try to thwart the person who has a prophetic word to speak and they keep their mouth shut? Or the teacher from teaching or the encourager from encouraging. The enemy loves to stop communication from the heart of God to the people of God. Another thing he tries to knock out is the supply line. If we were going to war, we would try really to knock out the supply lines and anything that provides energy and life to the troops and to the people. And you think how many times that the enemy tries to stop the gifts of the Holy Spirit from operating because if those gifts are operating, the people are going to be built up, they're going to be encouraged, their needs are going to be met. And they're going to be able to go on and keep serving and doing what God has called them. But if the enemy can stop the people of God from being supplied with what they have need of, then he is able, he's able to wreak havoc in their lives. He's able to defeat them. You don't have to raise your hand. But I wonder how many in this room at times feel intimidated when it comes to spiritual things. And in particular, the use of the gifts of the Spirit. Perhaps you feel as if you don't have enough knowledge. There's a whole list of things that you don't know or you don't understand. And you stand back and you have questions in your own mind. So you wonder, how could God possibly use me? Maybe you feel as if you haven't had enough experience. You say, well, I've never done it before, Pastor. I've never tried it before. I've never stepped out. So maybe you don't feel that you have enough experience. Perhaps you feel that you're not quite spiritual enough for God to use you. You see, a lot of times you have a front row seat to all of your imperfections and shortcomings. A lot of us can see the areas where we're lacking or where we fall short. And it's much larger in our eyes than the people around us. But we have a front row seat to all of those reasons why God should not and probably would not want to use us. There again, what a lie from the enemy. The bottom line is this. Somehow, in many people's minds, they come up short and they feel intimidated. They feel oftentimes unworthy or unqualified or unequipped to be used of God. And so what do they do? They pull back. But Paul reminded Timothy 
that God had not given him a spirit of fear. Right after, now this is when he tells him that. He tells him that right after he told him to fan into flame the gift of God which was inside of him. Listen to this verse, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6 and 7 says, For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. I'd like us to personalize that verse 7 for us as a body, as as individuals as well. I'd like you to say it with me. We're going to personalize it. Say this with me. For the spirit God gave me does not make me timid, but gives me power, love, and self-discipline. We're going to say it two more times. For the spirit God gave me does not make me timid, but gives me power, love, and self-discipline. One more time. For the Spirit God gave me does not make me timid, but gives me power, love, and self-discipline. Another good word for timid or fear is hesitant. God does not give us a hesitant spirit. He doesn't give us a spirit that draws back. We couldn't say, the spirit God gave me does not make me hesitant. It doesn't cause me to doubt. It doesn't cause me to fear. But the spirit God gave me gives me power, love, and self-discipline. Instead of making us timid, the spirit that God gives us makes us bold. That's why you do step out. That's why sometimes whenever you don't feel the confidence inside to do it, and you still step out and do it, you're looking at yourself and say, did I just say that? Did I just do that? Why? It's because the spirit that God gave you. Can I just tell you this too? A lot of times people think of heroes, and you know, there's people who do great heroic things. There's people who, in an instant, it's amazing the people who do heroic things. If you understand anything about police work or things like that, or military, you know, everybody made fun of and put down that police officer in Florida who stood outside with his gun while that guy was inside shooting kids. Well, here's the reality. There's a lot of times in a moment, people who are supposed to be heroic, people who we think are trained and supposed to be strong, in a moment, what comes through it, that fear overtakes them and they freeze. They think that they would do the right thing. They think they would do the heroic thing. But oftentimes, there's a lot of people who in the moment when they're supposed to step up, they step back. But that's not the spirit that God gave us. God gave us, he placed within us a spirit that enables us. And a lot of people think this. A lot of people have this idea that in the moment when I need to do it, I'm always going to have confidence and boldness, the feelings are always going to be there. No, no. You know what real heroes do? Real heroes step out in spite of the fear. Real heroes, real 
men and women of God step forward, even though on the inside their belly may be shaken and they may have butterflies and, and they may not feel super confident, but they're taking a step of faith because they know what God said. Today, I'm speaking to some people who God has put a different spirit in you. The spirit he placed in you is one that makes you bold. And it's not a natural thing. Some people are just naturally bold. Some people are just naturally confident. But the spirit that God placed in you is one that's empowered by his life. And it comes through you in the moment that it is needed. When it comes to spiritual gifts, God's spirit makes you bold. When it comes to spiritual gifts, here's the thing. The spirit of God that lives inside of you doesn't make you timid, doesn't cause you to draw back. The spirit of God that lives inside of you does not make you hesitant and doubt yourself, but the spirit that lives inside of you causes you to be bold in Christ. Friend, I cannot stress enough that it's God's spirit that is moving upon you and prompting you to act. I can't stress you enough. Sometimes some of you, the Holy Spirit will speak to you. It's like, is that me? Is that me or the Lord? Maybe the devil's trying to get me to witness to this person. No, the devil's not telling you to witness to somebody. The devil's not telling you to help somebody in need. The devil's not telling you to witness, to care for somebody, to lay hands on the sick. The devil's telling you he's the one who's trying to whisper in your ear, you're going to look foolish. That's just you. Anytime you hear someone whispering in your ear, that's just you, you'll know who's speaking that. That's the enemy who's trying to hold you back. So God's spirit does not make us hesitant. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 12 through 16. Our focus is going to be verses 14 and 15, but we're going to read the surrounding verses there. Paul's writing to Timothy, and he says to Timothy, Timothy... Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. But set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching, and to teaching. Now look at verse 14. Do not neglect your gift which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and your doctrine closely. Notice the next word that it says. Persevere. You have to persevere whenever there's a little bit of opposition, okay? So persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. I believe that this is great advice for all of us, not just for Timothy. And I believe that we can change the word young to whatever fits your situation. Paul says to Timothy, don't let anyone look down on you. Because you are young. You may say, well, pastor, I would like to be used by God, but I'm inexperienced. Well, don't let anyone look down on you because you're inexperienced. Pastor, I'm not as talented as somebody else. Well, don't let anybody look down on you because you're not quite as talented as somebody else. 
And you may say, well, pastor, I have a past. I have a past, but friend, you have a much greater future. I have a bad past. I've made a lot of mistakes. Don't let anyone look down on you because of that. Instead, he tells them to be an example. One version says, do not despise the gift which is given to you by prophecy and by the laying on of hands of the elders. So it says, don't neglect the gift. And it says, do not despise the gift in verse 14. Timothy was not to make light of. He was not to disregard the gift that God had given him. The word that's used contains the idea of contemptuous neglect. Neglect as if it's an unimportant thing. He's saying don't treat your gift as if it's unimportant. Don't treat your gift as if it's an add-on or it's not of great value. So the second point, when it comes to spiritual gifts... God's gifts are not to be despised. A lot of times we think of despising something, and we look at them like if you despise, if people came to me and said, hey, hey, pastor, I just need to be honest with you. I kind of despise you. That would be, that would kind of hurt my feelings a little bit. That kind of hurts our feelings when we think that someone would despise us. But it's not necessarily don't hate your spiritual gift. It's treating it as if, it really is not that big of a deal. As if, if it's of not great value, instead of recognizing the incredible value that that gift that God has placed inside of you has. You see, because the, according to the word of God, each of us have a spiritual gift, all of us. There's not one of us who are born again by the spirit of God who have not been had a gift imparted to us. How do we neglect or despise those gifts? First, we do that. The major thing we do that by is by not exercising our gift or allowing your gift to lay dormant. You didn't do anything against your gift. You just didn't do anything for your gift. A lot of times people think if they're not against something that they're for it. No, there's a a sin of, of omission. That, that we let something go, that we fail to do something. And so if you let your gift lay dormant and don't use your gift and don't capitalize on your gift, that is despising it. Now, some people are just spiritually lazy and lethargic. They're indifferent. They're indifferent to the things of the Spirit. They're so caught up in their own lives that they fail to use the gifts that God has given them for the good of the kingdom. Do you realize this? On judgment day, God will require that each of us give an account of ourselves to him. All of us. Yes, our sins will be covered by the blood. But we will stand before a holy, almighty God, and he will say to us, what did you do with what I gave you? And there will be on that day some people who suffer great loss because they neglected what God had given them. There will be other people who will receive great honor because they took what God had given them and they multiplied it. God is going to require you in front of others to give an explanation of what you did with what he entrusted you with. There are people in this room who you've been anointed 
to lay hands on the sick and they will recover. There are people in this room who've been given a gift of encouragement. There are people in this room who have been given a gift, the words of wisdom and words of knowledge. There are some people in this room who have been given a ministry of helps or, or a gift of administration. There's been people in this room who have the ability to share their material possessions. But when you fail to exercise your gift, God's people's needs go unmet. People think that God will make it happen. Then why does he tell us to go and preach? If he's going to save everybody, if he's going to heal everybody, why does he tell us to lay hands on the sick and they will recover? Because God requires... For God to work, God works through human vessels. He anoints men and women of God. There's occasion in which God sends an angel. But you know what? You know what he calls the pastors? They're the angel of the church. The pastor is the one sent by God and evangelists. They're sent by God to speak his word. And so that when you fail to use your gift in some way or some form, friends, you will stand before God and you will give an accounting of yourself. My brother was talking to him on the phone the other day, and we were talking about something, how much they spend. I was working on something on my computer whenever he had called, and he asked me how much I spent, and so I keep everything at Quicken. I said, well, last year I spent, and I pulled up Quicken, I spent so many thousand dollars on this. And I, he's like, dude, you, you really keep detailed accounts. Well, friend, when you stand before God, you're going to give an account of every word. You're going to give an account of every word before him. And so when he's entrusted you with these gifts, with this anointing, he's going to ask of you, here was an opportunity where you had to share with this person. Why did you keep your mouth shut? Here was the time that I prompted you to give and to minister to this person. How comes you didn't give of yourself? The important thing is for us to realize that each of us will stand before him and give an account. The other aspect of it is, Do you realize that many people suffer needlessly because other members of the body don't step out in their gift? You realize that there's people who are looking for direction from the Lord and God's given you a word for them and you keep your mouth shut? There's people who need a word of encouragement and God's prompted you to call them and you think, well, they'll think I'm getting in their business. There's people who are sick. The Bible tells us this, that Jesus says, greater things than I have done, you're going to do because I go to my Father in heaven. And so whenever we hold back, what we are doing is we are causing other members of the body of Christ, and at times those who are lost and away from him, we're holding back the blessing of the Lord in their life. Can we take that a step further? We despise God's gifts when we view them or ourselves as insignificant. See, because most of the people that I know are not purposely trying to hold back a blessing from someone else. The thought of that grieves their heart and grieves their spirit. But many of the people who I know deal with feelings as if my gifts really aren't that important. Or I don't even know if I really have that gift, Pastor. All I know is that God is prompting me. How many people feel the prompting of the Holy Spirit to help, serve, act, to give? But then they look at themselves and say, but who am I? Who are you? You're the redeemed of the Lord. 
You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You're dearly loved. Did you hear that song that we just sang? You're set apart for God's purposes. You have the very DNA of God. You're created in his image and in his likeness. You've been empowered by him. You've been given gifts. That's who you are. You are his representative on this earth. To people who are sick, you are his representative. To people who are lost, you are his representative. To a world that's dying without him, you are his representative on the earth. And so as we ask ourselves, I think of, well, who am I? Friend, you're a child of God. His anointing rests upon you and lives inside of you. Others will say, well, what do I have to offer? Or maybe they'll say, well, I have something to offer, but I don't really feel like it's a lot. By saying these things and thinking these things. See, because the challenge is as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And so when we start thinking in our heart that, well, well, what will my gift do? My gift doesn't seem like a lot. Who am I? By saying or thinking those things, you despise. And we despise the gifts of God. We don't know his name, but we all know the story of a young boy who gave his lunch to Jesus. The Bible doesn't say who he was, who he was related to. But all of us from, who grew up in Sunday school know his story. There were 5,000 men, not including women and children. And they were all hungry. And Jesus told his disciples to feed them. But they didn't see any possible way to feed that many people out in the country. Where would we get the money? Where would we get the food? If we had the money, where could we buy food to take care of? Let's say if it's 5,000 men and if they brought their wives and children, 15,000, just one wife and one child, 15,000 people. Where out in the middle of nowhere could we get the food to provide for 15,000 people? There's no use me even trying. But that wasn't the attitude of this young boy. John 6 Eight, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. He said, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? I'm going to stop there. How many times is that the doubt in people's minds? Well, Lord, here's my gift. You've told me to anoint, I got anointing oil and I got a mouth. But how far will that go? Lord, I have a prompting in my heart. But how far will that go? Lord, it's not much, but here's this family in need, and I want to give something, but I know it's not going to go too far. It doesn't seem like that much. What will it do with such a great need? Now listen to what he says. Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. And Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted, and he did the same with the fish. Jesus took what the boy offered, and he multiplied it. The boy could easily have said, my gift's too small. But instead, he placed what he had been given in Jesus' hands. Can I tell you that Jesus is the one who blesses and multiplies your gift when you place it in his hands? He's the one who does the supernatural. Your job is to do the natural. He adds the super to it, okay? He will always add the super, but you have to do the natural. You have to step out in faith. You have to offer your lunch to the Lord. A third thing, when it comes to spiritual gifts, 
God's gifts require diligence. Verse 15 says, be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Once you discover the gift that God has given you, you and I need to be diligent with them. If your gift is serving, find ways to live a life of service. Find ways to make it not just serve once in a while. Make it a lifestyle of serving. The Bible says you're to give yourself wholly to the gift that God has given you. If you're a teacher, make teaching your life. Just pour yourself, whatever your gift is, whatever God has anointed you to do, when you discover that, pour yourself out as an offering unto the Lord. You will not find anything that makes you happier. It's crazy. How can serving actually bring joy in my heart? Don't we want somebody else to serve us? Friend, if you serve others, you won't have to worry about anybody serving you because God will take care of that. It's ironic. I didn't tell Crystal the, what the songs to pick, but they talked about the coming of the Lord. I was thinking about folks here in our congregation who you've made it your life mission to serve the Lord, to give of yourself to the Lord. You've taken whatever God gave you. The priority in your life has been honoring and serving him. God, I'm using this gift. I think of our pastors who are here. I think of those of you who you found that place. Those of you who minister here in this body. I want to mention, Ron praises God loudly. How old were you when you got saved, Ron? 68 years. 68 years living for the enemy. Needs to get a little bit louder. Ron wants to make up for those years that were wasted. See, whenever you've been forgiven much, and when you understand how gracious, not a lot of people come to the Lord at 68. But the grace of God was poured out in Ron's life. So whatever your gift is, whatever God has entrusted you with, he's asking us to use it for him. And as I was thinking about the coming of the Lord, I was thinking Landon's gone back to school here Monday. 33 years ago, I went off to college, and whenever I did, from that time on, from from about the time I was 16, I made it my goal, God, I want to serve you. When I heard his call, I made that my priority. That was the top thing in my life. I know I've not been perfect at it, but I've tried to make that my number one goal. Lord, that I could please you, because you're my master. I want to invest my life. I want to invest my life into people. And, you know, we all could say, why... Well, pastor, you know, you, you know, you've done it, but you know, you don't know what I had to start with. I may not be a 10 talent guy, but you know, Pastor Rodney mentioned, I might be a one talent guy, but I'm going to make the most of that one talent that God gave me. I made that determination. You might be a two or three, but you know, this awesome thing is I'm looking forward to standing before the Lord. There's an old song that says, I got a mansion just over the hilltop. Oh, for a long time, he's been preparing a place for me. I'm looking for the crazy thing about like investing. It took me a long time to, 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 and from the time I got started in ministry, I put aside $25 a month. If you keep putting aside $25 a month, you ain't going to have much. You know, you, you can put that away for a long time, but that's what I started. My first ministry position, as soon as I started, the very first thing, I want to save towards retirement. Can I tell you that by the time I retire, I'm going to be okay. Should the Lord tarry and 
I keep working for a while. I'm going to be okay. It's kind of cool to look down the road when you've invested a little bit at a time at how it grows. Can you imagine what it's going to be like for those of you who have used your gifts for God? You've taken what you had. Can you imagine what it's going to be like when you stand before him? And he's going to look you right in the face. And he's going to say, well done, good, faithful servant. And you're going to be able to look and you're going to be able to see that the money that you gave to that missionary, God used it to change someone's life. And that you're teaching those kids in kids' church and you thought they didn't get anything at all out of it. That those little boys and girls came to love Jesus because maybe those few weeks that they were in your classes, maybe they were a transient family or someone who came through, but you made a difference in their lives. And friend, we're going to stand before the Lord and He's got some awesome my best day here, my best day here can't come anywhere close to comparing to the glory that he has for me up there. The glory that he has for you. Why? Because we understand that this world, as we said earlier, this isn't my home. This isn't where it's all about. What I'm doing now, can I say this to you? Even if if to the world I look like a failure here, if I've been faithful to God, You can give your life and you may say, Pastor, I've given my life and I don't see any real result that's lasting. Friend, what you invest for eternity can never be taken away from you. And some of the people who look the greatest here will stand before God and they will suffer great loss. And some of the people who we see and we say, well, I really never heard their name. I don't know of anything they've done, but the Father's been watching And he takes great delight and he takes great pleasure in their obedience and their sacrifice for him. Some of the greatest people in heaven, and nothing against Billy Graham, but some of the greatest people in heaven might not be Billy Graham. It might be some dear dear saint who nobody knows their name. Some dear saint who have given of themselves in obedience to the Lord. And Jesus says, this is the one. Remember whenever the people were coming and bringing all their money and dropping it into the temple treasury and it was making a lot of noise and everybody would look as it rang, as they dropped it in and you know, wow. And here comes this little lady with two mites and Jesus says, this woman here, she's given more than anybody else because she gave all she had. I'm calling you today that whatever God has given you, Whatever he's given you, that you not keep it for yourself. It's not for you. It's not to make you look good. It does make you look good when you use your gifts. It's neat. It's nice to see. It makes you feel good. But it's not for you. It's to be poured out as an offering unto the Lord. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you that you have not given my friends a spirit of timidity. You've not given them a hesitant spirit that's not from you. But you've given them boldness. You've given them courage. You've given them discernment that they can hear the voice of God and that they can step out. That the things you placed on their heart to do, you are going to empower them to do them. Their job is to step out in faith. And you're the one who brings the super to their natural steps, Lord. 
So, Father, I pray in Jesus' name that if there's anyone within the sound of my voice who up until this moment has doubted the anointing of God upon their life or their ability to be used by God or to be used again, I don't know if God, maybe God's done with me. Friend, I want you to hear me. He's not done with you. He may be refitting you for his kingdom, but he is not done with you. So, Father, I pray that that spirit that you have placed in them would rise up. I pray, Father, in Jesus' name, that you would cause them to believe what you say and to shut out the other voices that say, you're not worthy, you're not good enough, God's not going to use you. Shut out those lies and to step out in faith. Father, as they do that, I thank you that you're going to do miraculous things. I thank you, Lord, they're going to stand before you and they're going to hear those words, well done, my good and faithful servant. Lord, we offer our gifts. We offer our abilities. We offer these things that you have placed in our hands and in our hearts. Some of them, we can't even see the tangible part of them. We just feel a prompting inside that it's something you want me to do. And so we offer these gifts back to you. We pray that you would take these gifts Just like the boy came and brought his lunch, we offer our lunch to you. We offer our voice. We offer our hands. We offer our feet. We offer our hearts to you. We don't know what you can do with it, God. But we trust that you'll take what we have and that you'll bless it and that you'll multiply it and that you'll meet the needs of multitudes Because we gave what we had to you. And so from today on, Lord, that's our determination. That in this moment, we give ourselves back to you. And we trust you with the results. May you be glorified. May your name be lifted high. And we'll thank you and praise you for that. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, 